Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about sexy Scottish time travel so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we've read Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. Joining us for this episode is Erica, who hangs out a lot on the internet. Hi, Erica. Hi. Well, I guess first off, I should start off by saying that if you're listening to this on Monday, January 5th, you should know that we posted two special year-end episodes over the weekend on January 3rd and 4th. There are best and worst of 2014, and they should be up on the website and available in iTunes and Stitcher if you want to hear us literally cry over books and talk about how we used to literally cry over documentaries. That that to me feels like it was 200 years ago because of how long it took me to read Outlander. <laughs> I feel as though I time traveled 200 years into the future and I spent all of those years trying to get through this book. Oh my God. Kate was going to say this was a book that we read. It really is more like five books we read. That's true. I ke- yeah, because there were like part one, this part five. What they- I forget. They all had sort of dramatic names. A whiff of brimstone. Thank you. Yes, like that. <laughs> But they all also, like, didn't relate to each other at all, which is what was so frustrating to me. Like, with the exception of one recurring plotline about this, like, rapey British general, nothing that happened in each of the prior sections had much, you know, effect on things that happened later. I mean, they kind of did. Well, okay, let's... Let's go through, I mean, there's so much stuff that happens. Maybe we should just, okay, first of all, I guess, if you are unfamiliar with the basic Outlander concept, it is this, a woman named Claire, who was a World War II British nurse, uh, accidentally time travels back to 1743 Scotland and has a lot of sexy adventures there. And let me start off with a short anecdote, which is that uh, so this book series is pretty popular, and also there's a spin-off television show about it. Despite knowing both of these things, the only stuff about it that I had absorbed was that A, it took place in olden time Scotland, and B, the protagonist's name was Claire. So when I started reading the book, and it was like post-war Scotland, I was assuming that it was a frame story. So I kept like reading and it kept going and going and the girl's name was Claire and I knew that was the name of the olden time Scottish lady and I was really, really confused until I had read like 40 pages and I finally said out loud to my roommate like, this book is really weird and before I could say the frame story will never end, she was like, oh, it's about time travel, right? And I think I was the only person on the planet who didn't realize that it was about time travel, so... That's actually true, Kate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she sent me an email that was just like, oh, have you started reading Outlander yet? And I was like, yeah, I'm not very far into it. She hasn't time traveled yet. And she was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knew it was about time travel but me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I guess we both have the Kindle edition. Um, I also got the paper copy from the library and then I returned it because it is infinity pages long and I didn't want to carry it around. But the cover has like a pocket watch on it and like some, 
you know, so you know it's about time travel, so you don't get oh, tricked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I did. <laughs> I had actually read this book before, but it was in like 2001, so I'd forgotten like 99% of it. There's, I mean, there's so much to forget. <laughs> but I also have, like, I know you guys haven't seen the TV show. I have. I'm not going to talk about a lot, except for one thing we'll get to later. Okay, but... good. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious letting... about the show, but not enough that I think I'll actually watch it, probably. That's fair. But at least that gave me, like, some things to know, like, plot points that were coming. So I had some sense of time moving as I continued to read and read and read. Yeah, that would have been nice, because I had... <laughs> I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> um, okay, so so she first... Also, this book, it seemed to me like it was trying to trick me into learning British history, and I didn't want to. <laughs> and, so there's, a, there's a, a lot in here. Actually, I was trying to... Actually, okay, it feels like she did a bunch of research on Scotland, and she was like, this is all interesting. I will use all of it. I will use all of this information I learned about how to study genealogy. Here's a whole chapter that is actually just teaching you how to make a family tree. Now I will teach you all about herbs. Here are seven chapters about all the different kinds of herbs there are in Scotland. Now here's all the chapters about the rebellion in Scotland and, like, all this stuff. And I did not care. I actually think that is one of the, like, biggest flaws of the book is that she felt the need to show all her research. Like... I don't care about a horse's vagina. I don't care that much <laughs> about historical weaponry. No. There were so many fucking herbs. <laughs> so yeah. let's let's talk about what actually happens in the book. So then we can talk about how fucked up everything that happens yeah. in the book so is. So just imagine, though, as we tell you this, we're going to run through the main plot points. But, like, to get to each plot point, you did literally, you had to go through, like, so much about herbs and, like, the economy and, like, how to gather rent and how to maintain an estate. Just, like, so much info dump about, like, how they used to do things in olden times. Yeah, there are, like, literally ten major things we're going to briefly talk about having happened. Imagine that each of them is a hundred pages long. Like, to get to that point, you have to go through a hundred pages. It's long. It's a long book. <laughs> um, so, like we said, it starts off with this woman, Claire, who is reuniting with her husband. Uh, it's right after World War II, and he was a soldier, and she was a nurse, so they didn't, and they got married right before the war, so they haven't really spent much of their marriage together at this point. So they're on this beautiful Scottish vacation that's mostly an excuse for him to research the genealogy of his ancestor, um, Black Jack, Jack Randall. Randall. Black Jack Randall. Which seems like a real shitty trip, by the way. Like, I feel like Claire should have been way more resentful about it than she actually seemed to be. And they're also super trying to get pregnant. Their first honeymoon had been there because oh then, yeah that was part of it you're right yeah because then they got had she when she spoiler alert she marries the Scottish guy later they get married in the same church she got married in before right yeah and they're super trying to get pregnant like to the point where he's really mad that they they don't have babies yet what's her husband's name Frank 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 yeah Frank. okay yeah. Um, so they, they're on there after doing lots of research about plants and herbs and genealogy for like 50 or 60 pages, they go to a standing rock formation and spy on like a, a wicked Like a wicked. henge. Yeah. But not Stonehenge, like a lesser henge. Yes. 
a minor henge. A wee henge. <laughs> <laughs> that Scottish humor. <laughs> um, so when they, they spy on this ritual and like... I don't know if it's the same day or like later that day. She has to go back. She left something, and I she bumped back to look at more herbs. Oh right, right, oh, yeah. Right. And she like presses against one of the stones, and time travels back to olden times, Scotland, seventeen forty three to be exact. I'm just gonna call it olden times, Scotland. That's fair. <laughs> okay, so then she's there, and um. She meets Black Jack Randall, who's her husband's ancestor, who looks exactly like him, so it's freaky. And he, like, kind of tries to rape her, and she's like, oh, I'm a lady, I just got lost, meh. And then the Mackenzies come by, and there's a bunch of them, and they're like, nah, she's with us. And then she goes with them, but she doesn't really want to, but it seems, like, better than being with this rapey dude. And then... The whole time she's like, oh, I'm just, I'm a lady. I'm trying to go to France. Leave me alone. And she kind of keep. they're like very distrustful of her, but they keep her with them because she's a lady. And like, what else are they going to do? Yeah, they, they think she's a spy. Oh, yeah. That's Everybody the- thinks she's a spy. So they don't want to let her go because she thinks they'll go back and give spy info. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, of course, the man whose horse she shares is uh, Jamie Fraser, who is, you know, super sexy, obviously. Uh, and super, like, polite and nice to her. And he's injured when they first meet up. And constantly. Constantly. Yeah, constantly. Which, which we'll get to later. But, like, <laughs> constantly injured. And since she has nurse training, she, like, fixes his dislocated shoulder. And they're all like, oh, my God. It's, like, magic you know, you're a lady and you know things about doctoring. Um, so they, when they get back to the castle that the whole, all the people are clansmen at, um, they set her up as like the, the castle doctor and herb gatherer. Yeah. So, and she has to, or like, she has to go through the old medicines left by the last guy. And a lot of it was really shady. There's just pages and pages of like, can you believe they used to think like sheep dung was medicine? Pshaw. So she like is kind of fitting in. Like she has like zero compunctions about having time travel to olden time Scotland. No, she is chill as hell about it. She's just like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> like once she figures it out, she's like, well, I guess I should try to get back. But until then, like this is fine. You know what? Like, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. It's ridiculous, but I kind of like... The way they set they set up her character as, you know, post World War Two nurse and like her practicality as her defining characteristic, I kind of kinda of bought it. She's like, Well, at least it's not fucking Nazis, you know? Yeah. Whatever. It wasn't the weirdest thing in this book, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but just for the record, she is chill as hell about time travel. <laughs> So she's, like, hanging out and, like, being BFF with this guy, Jamie, and all the women are, like, jealous and pissed at her because they all want to fuck him, and she's like, I don't want to fuck him, like, we're just buddies, and she, like, teases him about this teenage girl who has a crush on him, and then they tell her that she has to go out with the group to pick up rents from the people who live on like in the the area that is commanded or or ruled over by the castle. 
So she's just kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. Because uh, we'll part out. of it is like, well, you go this far with them and then and then you can get a boat to France or like something. Oh, right, right. Yeah, they tell her that they'll drop her off at the, the British fort where the rapey Randall um, is the the person in charge and that they can talk to her and then get her on a boat to France. And she goes with them because she figures that that fort is not far from where she went back in time, like the 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 wee henge. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so they go out and whatever, and then they find out that like Randall essentially wants to like imprison her and but and like beat beat her for right, being yeah. a spy. Randall thinks a spy too. Yeah, so she's a spy and she's like i'm not a fucking spy but she can't tell the truth because she sounds crazy yeah and in order to keep her safe from them they're like all right well we're gonna marry you to someone in our clan so you'll be scottish so technically they can't take you and put you in jail like they're planning on so you have to marry this hot guy jamie who you know you're totally just bff with and don't want to bone at all for convenience sake yeah which I mean, again, obviously she's done a ton of research. That seemed really shady to me. Because, like, <laughs> obviously they've arrested Jamie before. So it's not like being a Scot. Like, why does being a Scottish citizen f- for her make her immune to this? Like, it-, it seemed like a very convenient plot twist, which is fine. But. Yeah. But, you know, of course, once they are married, like, she totally does want to bone him. And he's a virgin. <laughs> and they have to bone. Because they set them up in, like, an inn, and they're like, well, in order to make sure that Randall doesn't invalidate the wedding, we need witnesses to hear you guys fuck. So, like, you guys just, like, wait in here, and there's, like, 15 bros hanging outside to, like, listen. (laughs) And she's like, okay. That's why they bone the first time, and then they do it, like, five more times the same night, just in case. Right. (laughs) Make it extra official. (laughs) You know, and I get it. It's totally so that she can be like, oh, well, I, I had, like, I absolutely had to cheat on my husband. You know, it's sort of this, like... Plus, there's this other thing at the beginning, which I laughed out loud once I figured out it was about time travel and not a frame story, where in back in post-war Scotland, um, her husband, Frank, is like, oh, when we were in the war and, like, we were apart for six years, did you ever, like, get with anyone else? He's like, no, of course not. And he goes, oh, well, I didn't either, but I just want you to know that if anything were ever to happen and we were apart, I'd totally be okay with you getting with someone else. (laughs) Right, yeah, she does have the permission. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so she gets with, with hot Jamie and various things happen and... She, like, goes against him, and he punishes her by, like, spanking her a lot. Yeah, there's, like, sex, like, Scottish Fifty Shades happening in there, too. Yeah. And, and two, I mean, this book is obsessed with, like, corporal punishment. Jamie gets beaten 100,000 times, <laughs> and he talks also... And there's uh, back beating. Mm-hmm, and he talks so much, too, about, like, when he was a kid, how much his dad used to beat him, and how when they have kids, he's going to beat the kids, but not too much, just enough. And it, like, it's like, so I would ask if we made a pie chart of this book, <laughs> I mean, it'd be like 10% herbs, 20, 20, <laughs> 20% would be like 
violence, like physical <laughs> violence and description of injury. 20% fucking. <laughs> the pie chart pieces can't overlap, though, is the problem. Right, that's true. Yeah, we're going to need a new form to express this. But the point is, there is a lot of beatings in this book, and only some of them are to Claire. <laughs> a minority. Anyway, so... They go back to um, the castle, and like they tell everyone that they're married, and everything's going on for like another 50 pages of doctoring and herb gathering and horse birthing yes and claire makes a new friend who also really likes herbs so they tell each other facts about herbs for many pages (laughs) um and one day she's going out when jamie is away with this um british lord who they're bros with but who also rapes young boys but they're kind of okay with that even though he tried to rape jamie when jamie was a young boy it's so weird and casual how they're like oh he's a really nice guy except that he like chases boys around and tries to rape them ha 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 and jamie like laughs about how like yo once he like cornered me in the horse box and he was totally gonna fuck me and then, like, a horse got scared and knocked him over, so I ran away. But, like, whatever. We're bros. I'm gonna go camping with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jamie's on this camping trip with this rapey lord, and Claire goes to visit her new herb friend in town, and the teenage girl who used to have a crush on Jamie, like, calls the the witch finders on them and tells them <laughs> that they're witches. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, there's actually this whole more complicated thing where the guy, like, Jamie's uncle, the lord of the castle, called the witch finders on for the herb friend, because... Oh, right, because also... <laughs> guys, is... <laughs> Anyway... Yeah, so Claire's in a big pit, and she's gonna get killed because she's- Wait, a- is, the, is the herb friend's name Jello? <laughs> Galish? Galish? <laughs> okay, but I'm gonna call her Jello. Uh, <laughs> I think she was my favorite. Anyway, Jello, like, <laughs> was using herbs to poison her husband. And Claire figured it out because she. (laughs) I can't even. She tried to give him CPR and she tasted the herb poison on his mouth. (laughs) And and Jello is pregnant with the king's brother's illegitimate child. And because, like, already. the king can't he has a, a condition that i forgot which one but he can't have kids oh so my god his, yeah and he has his, and, and he's like um his legs are messed up or something yeah and so he does have a kid but it turns out that it's his brother's was technically the father but like no one knows that um also so I, the, I don't think he's the king he's or he's like the leader of the clan yeah yeah okay. i just keep saying king yeah just to be clear, there are other actual kings in this book. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's why, so he called the witch, the, the witch finders on Jello, and this teenager who had a crush on Jamie sent Claire to visit Jello, knowing oh, yeah. the witch finders were coming. 
and that they would take her too. Also, also, there's a part like right before that where Jello like hypnotizes Claire and almost gets her to admit to being a time traveler or something. Like it's really weird, and I'm not really anyway. Remember with the candle and the smoke, she burned like yeah, hypnotic yeah. smoke. Yeah. So Jello's just all around weird and witchy and herby, <laughs> and um, so they when they're like getting ready to drown them to dunk do the witch dunking to see if they're actually witches um jamie rides in to save claire because someone had alerted him and so they run off but before they run off jello takes off her clothes and proclaims that she's a witch but claire isn't and claire sees that she has a polio vaccine scar and, and so does claire so they know at that moment that they're both time travelers. But then they never mention that again. They do. A little bit. I wanted to mention about that they kind of changed in the TV show. Because mm-hmm. I'm just going to call her Jello too. <laughs> in the TV show, like as soon as she starts setting up, like literally all she does is stare at Claire meaningfully and ask super loaded questions. And basically everything she does in the TV show is... Being like, Claire, you're a time traveler too, aren't you? Admit, Claire. Tell me about your past, Claire. And just being super obsessed with her. And it's awesome. <laughs> Good. Well, because I wanted more Jello. I was, I'm still like holding out hope that, uh, well, who am I kidding? I'm not going to read any more of these books. But if you told me that one of them was like Further Adventures of Jello, I would at least read the Wikipedia summary. She shows up in later books. Yes. Good. All right. Well, then I'll give them a pass for... Because the other thing is she gives a message through somebody, through some random Scotsman to get to Claire that she was... Oh, because she doesn't doesn't get drowned right away because she's pregnant. So they wait till she gives birth to the baby. So she's kind of... They leave her in jail for a while and Claire leaves. But the message she passes is that she time-traveled from, like, 1967, which is kind of weird because what it had... I how I interpreted how the Wii hand works is it always sends you exactly two hundred years into the past because Claire makes a big point about that and then that doesn't really add up. But yeah, whatever. But so she's supposedly dead or dying or put in jail to be killed later, and Jamie takes Claire away and they go to Jamie's property that he owns that he's not been able to go back of back to because he's been accused of murder so he like needed to stay away to protect his sister who's still there and uh, but now i guess it's okay for him to go yeah to that her. was never i guess it was just like well now i care more about claire than about me getting arrested like it, it was not explained at all how it suddenly was okay for him to go back but yeah and in the meantime she tells him like the whole thing about being a time traveler and he believes her and he takes her back to the wee henge but she decides that she would rather stay with him than go back to Frank in the pa- in the future because she loves him more. So she's just going to stay in olden time Scotland forever. And like in a normal book, I feel like that would be the end of the book because that's really the closest it has to an emotional climax. Yeah. But yeah. that's like not even halfway through. Yeah. No, this book is so long. Yeah. So they, they go to, she goes to the land that Jamie owns. They're there for like another hundred 20 pages and they meet his sister and his brother they have herbs at jamie's house too (laughs) (laughs) 
And Mills. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, there's this whole weird part, too, where um, Randall, the guy who had arrested Jamie and, like, beaten him, I guess the last time Jamie saw his sister had been when Randall came to arrest him, and Randall wanted to rape the sister, and they had this huge fight because Jamie was like, no, don't rape her, just kill me, and Randall's like... No, I won't. I'll rape her. And then he's, I guess, Jamie has been really upset about, like, how his sister's honor has been destroyed for, like, years. Like, he's just been like, uh, like, it's very well and good that Randall, like, beat me and almost killed me, but my sister's honor, meh. And then reveal, Randall didn't rape her because he couldn't get it up. Because he can only have sex with women when they're screaming and panicking, and she refused to scream and laughed at him. Yeah, she laughed, and at, laughed him. at him and like, kicked what? him in the what? what? Why is this in this book? Um, so she, so she's not spoiled, and you know everything is okay until uh, Jamie hires a little boy to work in the stables because his grandmother's like uh, his father beats him like hella a lot. So could you please get him out of the house? And the father is not happy that he has no one to beat anymore, I guess. So he tells the British guys who are looking for Jamie for the murder he didn't commit that he's back. And they kidnap slash arrest him and take him to the fort where Rapey Randall is in charge. Okay, so then... (laughs) Well, then Claire... This book is like the most indulgent hurt comfort fic you have ever read. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, Claire Claire goes to save him because his godfather, who is one of the, the clansmen at the castle, comes to her. They, like, mount a rescue, and it doesn't work. And one of the times she has to fight wolves. <laughs> like, lit- literal wolves. She literally kills a wolf. Like, with her bare hands. had a lot of research about how to fight a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> And she she manages to get in the castle and she gets captured. And then Rapey Randall um, is like, well, I'll either kill your wife and have this big oafish dude rape her or you can let me like have sex with you, but like lovingly and you can't fight and it has to be tender and intimate. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'll take that deal. By the way, guys, I think just I, for the record, we don't normally think that rape is hilarious, but this is just like the weirdest, like floweriest, most unexpected. Like, I genuinely had no idea there was so much, so much. I thought this was just like a romance novel, really, but there is so much gay panic anal rape in this book, and I did not know that. Did you know that? <laughs> no. I didn't even know it was a time travel book. <laughs> it is it's just like so over the top. Like Yeah, it's it's everything. Well, I, I wanna talk about why I think it's so over the top. Let's just like blow through the last couple plot points. Um so they rescue they Claire mounts a rescue um after unfortunately he's been lovingly, tenderly raped several times. And they escape and they have to go to France to get out of the country and they go to this monastery where someone related to Jamie is the abbot 
and they recover there and there's this like really weird like Jamie keeps doing worse and then Claire does this weird hypnosis herb drug role play thing yeah I still don't even know and it magically makes him better (laughs) he's like dying of blood poisoning and she makes a bunch of incense and imitates his rapist and he like gets superhuman strength and starts trying to kill her and then he thinks she's his mom and then they do it and then he's better right and i I think it started because he was being like real melodramatic and he's like claire i don't need to see me like this go back to the wee henge and go back to the future and like and he won't see her anymore and she's like well I think her original thought is like, okay, well, then I'll pretend like I'm Randall and then it'll like motivate him to live. But it gets so weird. Yeah. She's magically pregnant and they decide that they're going to go to Rome to support someone. The Scottish king. The Scottish king is in exile there because uh, Catholicism... I don't remember the king's name. Yeah. I, I, like, I know the whole... They, like, what? But I'm afraid Nada will get mad at me for explaining British history to her. Um, I'll, I'll give you 30 seconds. Go. Okay, so <laughs> everyone... All the Scottish people are going to die in a big battle in two years. So they want to go and see if they can stop that big battle from happening. Oh, okay. Okay, that was quick. All right, that's allowed. Yeah, Diana Gabaldon took, like, 100 pages to get to that, and I just couldn't... Yeah. So that that's the book. Wait, that's but a, okay. A, the very end of the book is that Claire reveals that she's pregnant. But because her writing is so flowery and vague and fucking weird, I did not realize that was what was happening until I went back and read the Wikipedia summary of the book. And it was like, oh, and then Claire reveals her pregnancy. I was like, wait, she did what? And then I went back and reread it. And I was like, oh, I guess she yeah, did kind of do that. She, like, touches her stomach and says, like, I have a gift for you. And, like, Renata said she she thought that, like, the, the gift was just, like, we're going to go bone. And I can see why she would think that because it is, like, literally there's no mention of pregnancy. She's just, like, I have a gift for you and, and touches her naked stomach. Yeah, and he's, like, oh, yeah. And now that I see, like, still flat, I guess, was the hint. Yeah, that's uh, the code word. <laughs> but that's it. And he's just, like, he's just, like, oh, I... And then it's like, end of book. Like, what? (laughs) So with that all said, here is some information that I learned about this book after I had started reading it. Um, My friend Andrea said on Twitter that apparently this started as like novel length Doctor Who Mary Sue self-insert fan fiction for one of the companions on Doctor Who, who's a Scottish dude named Jamie. And we've talked before on this show about how fan fiction is all well and good and published work is all well and good and they should both exist, but that fan fiction has certain other aims and purposes that it works towards that are out of place in public in published commercial fiction. And I think that that is one of the biggest, like that, once I learned that, everything about this book made sense. Right. Like how the main character just gets beaten and raped and like tortured and terrible things happen to him so that his like loving wife can, you know, heal him with sex and comfort and 
you know, the how it's like structured with like little tiny things that kind of tie together, but really don't really cohesively form one novel. It all makes yeah. sense now. Yeah, and that's all well and good. I mean, I've certainly read plenty of hurt comfort fan fiction and like, you know, that fills its purpose cuz like you have your source material that has a plot sort of and then you're like, okay, but now I really just want 5000 words of them cuddling. Like give me that. And then this is like, okay, well, I hear you, but what if instead I gave you, I don't know how long this book is because I read it on Kindle. I'm going to assume it's like 10,000 pages. Like, here's 10,000 pages of that. And like, don't worry about the plot. Like, this is like, it's almost like, it feels kind of like, oh, you like cake? Like that, like in Matilda, like, oh, you like cake? Well, I'm going to make you eat this whole cake. And I'm like, no, I don't want the whole cake. I wanted like some vegetables too to like make this actually make sense, please. I was also looking at her main web page and like just in her description of the book in the series, she basically says that she started writing this just to see how to write a novel, whether she could do it. So she just threw in everything she could think of because no one was ever going to read it. I'm like, whoa. I saw that too. And so I, I definitely also am holding some some blame to like an editor or pub- like why didn't you know, it's fine, again, if this is how she wrote it, but then why didn't somebody else be like, okay, I, like, I think this is a really fun idea, I think people are gonna like the sexy time travel, but, like, maybe let's cut out some of the herbs? Maybe we don't need all the herbs? <laughs> Plus, like, the maybe sex like, scenes are so vague. We're gonna read a couple of them, but they're, like, you can't even tell what's happening in most of them. They're just really like flowery and bizarre and this thing that like super bothered me about them all is that she's like afraid to say the word nipple she's afraid to say a lot of things but particularly the word nipple so she just refers to the tips of breasts constantly and it made me start picturing these like canonical breasts The one that got me is she, I mean, and I don't even know if, like, if Claire would know the word boner or, like, whatever, but, like, she would never say, like, boner or erection or anything like that. She would always just talk about, like, the strength of his wanting or, like, I could feel his desire pressing it. And I I think a lot of that is, like, pretty standard romance novel stuff, too, but just, like... It happens so much. Like, she's constantly talking about Jamie's dick, and it's always in, like, the most, like, flowery way. It's like, you are talking about his boner. Like, let's dial this down one notch, please. Oh, God. And there are so many sex scenes that start with her being like, no, stop, you're hurting me. I don't want to have sex now. Like, stop it. Yeah, like, we're in public. We're on a rock surrounded by your bros. Okay, I guess that feels good. Yeah, like, and every single time she's like, all right, like, I guess now that you've shoved it in me, we can have sex and I'm going to love it. But I'm like, oh, it's so cringeworthy. Oh, this is kind of random, I guess. But did you like how she would describe her first husband as super sophisticated and urbane and considerate? And then she's like, oh, my God, he's going down on me. I've never felt this before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like... To be honest, like, I I went back and forth, like, I felt like she, and it could just be because, like, she starts, like, whatever, like, seeing rapey Randall whenever she thinks of her husband's face. But, like, I I felt more from, like, the descriptions of what Frank, the future husband, was like, that Diana Gabaldon was trying to get me to like him more than his actions would have made me like him, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree. The problem, like, 
every couple pages, Claire would have to be like, oh, everything's so difficult because I'm married in the future to this guy I love. I totally love him. Yes, I love him so much. Really, I love that dude. And everyone's like, who are we talking about again? Because he's super boring and no one cares about him. Yeah, and he like kind of like this is supposed to be their second honeymoon and he blows her off every day to go study genealogy. <laughs> right. Like I would be kind of fine if the narrative were like, "Oh, I feel uns- if she were openly like, well, you know, it's kind of a marriage of convenience because of the war, like whatever." And like, you know, now that we're reconnecting, maybe I realize we don't have that much in common. I think that would be perfectly valid, but it isn't that. It's like, "Oh, I love him so much, but I guess I just love Jamie a little bit more." So I'll stay in the past. So just to spoil you guys for books you're never going to read. Thank you. She ends up having to go in the past later. Back to, wait, back to the future later. Which is still our past. (laughs) (laughs) So she, because she thinks Jamie dies in the big battle where all the Scots die. Aww. But she ends up going back to Frank, like, pregnant three years later, and he's a dick. Aww. (laughs) But she's also been gone for three years and shows up pregnant and doesn't talk <laughs> then, so. Well, fair. <laughs> oh, man. But then, just, so then, ultimately, like, does she go back to the past again, or, like, what? Yes, she does. Cool. All right. And then oh, the world, uh, the American Revolution happens. Huh. All right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. It's just, it's a really weird book. And it's not, like, if I was, like, even, even, I don't know. To me, I'm a, like, on one hand, it makes sense to me that this started off as fan fiction. But also, I'm a little surprised, because to me, reading this and, like, its popularity, like, it's one of those things where I'm like, I wish I could just tell every, like, you know, like, middle-aged woman who comes in the library and is excited about this book. I wish I could just be like, hey, did you know about fan fiction? Like, maybe you should try that. Like, yeah. I think you would like that. Um, so I guess she already knows, and she has decided to go... Like, to me, I feel like this would be more satisfying if she had just, like, kept it as, like, yeah, this is my Doctor Who fan fiction, and now I don't need to have all this other explanatory stuff. Like, you've, you've got the Doctor Who part, and now here we go. I don't know if it was really as much, like, actual fan fiction as just, like, she liked that actor and character a lot and just made Jamie kind of, like, based on him you know what i mean okay i i don't even know what doctor who character this is so i don't and but i like i i haven't read 50 shades of gray yet which is you know upcoming it is upcoming on the podcast listeners so you can stop asking us to do it uh it's planned um but i've heard from people who have read it that it's very like the, the similar thing about it that people you know it started its life as fan fiction but it's not as good as most fan fiction is like still people are like if you really want to read good porn read fan fiction don't read this right but we're gonna read it yeah. <laughs> like apparently this author hates fan fiction so much oh yeah she literally refer like says if you when you write fan fiction it's like you're raping my children and she talks about how it's like the porn is really gross is the funniest part to me. <laughs> just like awful sex fantasies. I'm like, have you read your own stuff? <laughs> Wait, so if it's like raping her creation, is it like regular rape or is it like scary gay rape? 
Well, I guess it depends on if you're writing like normal, like regular sex or scary gay sex. Mm. Regular get sex with like the tips of your nipples, <laughs> the tips of your breasts, and you know and the your, strength your... of his wanting. Yes, <laughs> combining. <laughs> There's one part where he touches her vag and he's like, oh, it's as slippery as seaweed. And I was like, this is the least erotic part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe we forgot to say this. So speaking of things from seas or lakes, the fucking Loch Ness Monster is in this book. Oh my god. A page. A page. And then it comes back later because then it's evidence that she's a witch. Because some guy's like, yeah, I saw her talking to the Loch Ness Monster. She's a witch. <laughs> what? And the yeah. witch finders are like, you're drunk. Go away. Yeah. Like, there is the literally... The Loch Ness Monster is a fucking dinosaur. Yeah. And it's yeah, there, real. And it's in are, the book for literally two pages. Yeah, there are parts where she'll talk about herbs for, like, literally five pages. But the Loch Ness Monster just gets, like, a brief mention. Like, I would and, like, have traded a hundred pages of herbs for, like, five more <laughs> Loch Ness Monster pages. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like she and the Loch Ness Monster, who is a dinosaur, bonded over being time <laughs> I guess let's get into our dramatic readings and then you can hear all about their weird sex life and the Loch Ness Monster. And, you know, honestly, if if this were representative, we haven't chosen any herb pages to read aloud, but we should have picked like 20 just to just to inflict this on everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, but we won't. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start off. Erica and I are going to read one of their earliest sex scenes. And uh, it's real weird. And Erica will be Claire. And I'm going to be Jamie. And I really want to try doing a Scottish accent um, for this. But for me, and this is a recurring problem as I read the book. Like, she writes out the Scottish dialect, kind of. um, And to me, every time I read it, I just heard Groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons in my head. And I was like, this isn't sexy. But I guess maybe it's an age thing, too. Because to me, I grew up with The Simpsons. I grew up with Groundskeeper Willie. Maybe, like, she grew up with whoever this Scottish Doctor Who guy was, and I don't know. It, there's definitely a huge market for, like, Scottish romance novels guy in a kilt on the cover. And to me, I'm just like, why? Like, not sexy. But to many, yes, sexy, apparently. Okay. You're not going to hurt me, I said impatiently. And if you did, I wouldn't mind. Seeing puzzled incomprehension on his face, I decided to show him what I meant. What are you doing? He asked, shocked. Just what it looks like. Hold still. After a few moments, I began to use my teeth, pressing progressively harder until he drew in his breath with a sharp hiss. I stopped. Did I hurt you? I asked. Yes, a little. He sounded half strangled. Do you want me to stop? No. I went on, being deliberately rough, until he suddenly convulsed with a groan that sounded as though I had torn his heart out by the roots. He lay back, quivering and breathing heavily. He muttered something Gaelic, eyes closed. What did you say? I said, he answered, opening his eyes, I thought my heart was going to burst. I grinned, pleased with myself. Oh, Murtaugh and company didn't tell you about that either. Aye, they did. That was one of the things I didn't believe. I laughed. In that case, maybe you'd better not tell me what else they told you. Do you you see what I meant, though, about not minding if you're rough? Aye. He drew a deep breath and blew it out slowly. If I did that to you, would it feel the same? Well... You know, I said slowly, I don't really know. 
I've been doing my best to keep my thoughts of Frank at bay, feeling that there should be no more than two people in a marriage bed, regardless of how they got there. Jamie was very different from Frank, both in body and mind, but there are, in fact, only a limited number of ways in which two bodies can meet, and we have not yet established that territory of intimacy in which the act of love takes on infinite variety. The echoes of flesh were unavoidable, but there were a few territories still unexplored. Jamie's brows were tilted in expression of mocking threat. Oh, so there's something ye don't know? Well, we'll find out then, won't we? As soon as I have the strength for it. He closed his eyes again. Next week, sometime. <laughs> so, right, like, I, I mean, I think that was some kind of weird toothy blowjob, but from the way that she refuses to describe it in any sort of detail, it's just like, it could be anything. I don't know. Just anything that involves her teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I think there's at least one other place where it seems like it might be his first blowjob, but you really can't tell. Right. I mean, it's clear he's enjoying it, but what? Why? I don't know. Oh, God. It's so weird. (laughs) All right. I'm going to read about the Loch Ness Monster or whatever it's supposed to be. It's the Loch Ness Monster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I don't think they're at Loch Ness, but I guess I just assume that all Scottish lake monsters are the Loch Ness Monster. Agreed. I was idly plucking the clusters of winged seeds from a low-hanging branch and tossing them out into the loch when I noticed tiny waves against the rocks growing stronger, as though pushed by an oncoming wind. A great flat head broke the surface not ten feet away. I could see the water purling away from the keeled scales that ran in a crest down the sinuous neck. The water was agitated for some considerable distance, and I caught a glimpse here and there of dark and massive movement beneath the surface of the loch, though the head itself stayed relatively still. I stood quite still myself. Oddly enough, I was not really afraid. I felt some faint kinship with it, a creature further from its own time than I, the flat eyes old as its ancient Enochian seas, eyes grown dim in the murky depths of its shrunken refuge. And there was a sense of familiarity mingled with its unreality. The sleek skin was a smooth, deep blue with a vivid slash of green shining with brilliant iridescence beneath the jaw. And the strange pupilless eyes were a deep and glowing amber. So very beautiful. And so very different from the smaller mud-colored replica I remembered adorning the fifth floor diorama in the British Museum. But the shape was unmistakable. The colors of living things begin to fade with the last breath, and the soft springy skin and supple muscle rot within weeks. But the bones sometimes remain, faithful echoes of the shape, to bear some last faint witness to the glory that was. Valved nostrils opened suddenly with a startling hiss of breath. A moment of suspended motion, and the creature sank again, a churning royal of waves, the only testimony to its passage. I had risen to my feet when it appeared, and I unconsciously must have moved closer in order to watch it, for I found myself standing on one of the rock slabs that jutted out into the water, watching the dying waves fall back into the smoothness of the lock. I stood there for a moment, looking out across the fathomless lock. Goodbye, I said at last to the empty water. I shook myself and turned back to the bank. So that's the only mention of the Loch Ness Monster in this literal 900-page book. 
No, except for except the, for the rejected evidence at her witchcraft trial. Yeah, like one there's one line in addition to this freaking Loch Ness monster, and they give it three paragraphs and one line. I'm disgusted. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I'd rather read the novel from the point of view of the Loch Ness monster, who has one line being like, and then there was this lady. <laughs> yes. I would. I would rather read that. <laughs> you know what, though? Honestly, I bet his book would also just be pages and pages of herbs. <laughs> it's like, I was swimming in the lake. I found some really good algae. It had some curative properties. Uh, my ancestors would have used it as a bandage, but I'm just going to eat it. I'm a monster. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do another one. Um, so we, we kind of, like, we obviously touched upon, like, you know, rapey Captain Randall. Um, but there's, like, hardcore gay panic throughout this book. Like, just kind These of... These men constantly. in skirts are not <laughs> fucking around. Yeah. They are aggressively heterosexual, except for the two villains. <laughs> and they are very concerned that you will think otherwise. Because she's not homophobic, because later on in one of the other books, there's a sympathetic gay character, and he gets a spinoff. <laughs> Does he get raped? No, but he's also in love with Jamie. Oh my of god. Course. He is irresistible. <laughs> you know my favorite thing about everyone being in love with Jamie, though, is that apparently he gets that straight from his mom, because that dude wanting to fuck his mom is oh, the yeah. got out of prison. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right, so this is this is Jamie telling Claire about what happened after um, back when we were saying before that he was taken by uh, this group of British soldiers and accused of a murder he didn't commit, and like they almost raped his sister. So this is when he's in jail. He was sentenced to two floggings, and after the first one, um, this is what happens. In the meantime, Randall went on, there was a matter to the second flogging that I was sentenced to. He stopped a minute, as though uncertain how to go on. He was strange in manner, I thought. Very cordial, but with something under it I did not understand. He kept watching me, as though he expected me to do something, though I was just sitting still. He half apologized to me, saying he was sorry that our relations had been so difficult to the present, and that he wished the circumstances had been different, and so on. Jamie shook his head. I couldn't imagine what he was talking about. Two days earlier, he'd been trying his best to beat me to death. When he finally got down to it, though, he was blunt enough. What did he want, then? I asked. Jamie glanced at me, then away. The dark hid his features, but I thought he seemed embarrassed. Me, he said baldly. I started so violently that the horse tossed its head and wickered reproachfully. Jamie shrugged again. He was quite plain about it. If I would, ah, uh, make him free of my body, he'd cancel the second flogging. If I would not, then I'd wish I'd never been born, he said. I felt quite sick. I was already wishing something of the sort, he said, with a glint of humor. My belly felt as though I'd swallowed broken glass. And if I hadn't have been sitting, my knees would have knocked together. But what? My voice was hoarse, and I cleared my throat and started over. But what did you do? 
He sighed. Well, I'll no lie to you, Sassanok. I considered it. The first stripes were still so raw on my back, I could scarce bear a shirt, and I felt giddy whenever I stood up. The thought of going through that again, being bound and helpless, waiting for the next lash. He shuddered involuntarily. I'd no real idea, he said wryly, but I rather thought being buggered would at least be a, would be at least a bit less painful. Men have died under the lash sometimes, Sassanok, and from the look on his face, I thought he meant to be me to be one of them. Were that my choice? He sighed again. But well, I could still feel my father's kiss on my cheek, and I thought of what he'd say, and well, I couldn't do it. That's all. I did not stop to think what my death might mean to my father. He snorted, as though finding something faintly amusing. Then, too, I thought, the man's already raped my sister. Damn if he'll have me, too. So, yeah. He later, after that, um, he later finds out, because he takes the beating, and he, like, beats him super hard. He beats him so hard, his father, who's watching, has a heart attack and dies. (laughs) 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 And Jamie... Later finds out when a doctor is tending to him, he gives him a Bible of another kid who was also in prison there who had hung himself the week before because Randall raped him too. And he couldn't live with himself, so he killed himself. So, yeah. (laughs) Again, like, it's, it's only funny because it's so over the top. Yeah, it's entirely like, honestly, like, obviously, rape isn't funny. Like, <laughs> the, like, crazy, over the top, gay panic, consistent abuse of this one particular character and his total irresistibility is what's funny. Right. Because it's Especially, ridiculous. Like, again, the last, like, I don't know how many hundred pages of the book is just total hurt comfort, like, going into so much detail about his torture and everything so much detail so much you think it's done and he's like no claire i have another thing to confess to you we're like oh great there's more Uh uh-huh also we forgot to say um kate brought it up jamie calls her sasanak which i guess means like what british person or foreigner or something but the way it's spelled and the way I don't know anything about this, I consistently read it that he was calling her Sasquatch, <laughs> <laughs> which explains why she would have kinship with the Loch Ness Monster, <laughs> but is not actually what he's saying, <clears throat> I guess. Okay. And then the last part we're going to read is another sex scene. Woo! There are a lot of sex scenes in this book, and they're all really weird, but I feel like this one is like particularly... Uh, it's very emblematic. Yes. Sure. It gives you a good idea of the weirdness of all the sex scenes just from this one, I guess. Is what yeah. I'm oh, also, it happens after there's a part where Claire disobeys Jamie. And before that, he told her, like, if you disobey me, I'll spank you. And then, like, she does disobey him and he does spank her. And it's 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 a little bit Fifty Shades. Like, reading this, I feel like now Diana Gavilan is like, man, I wish I would put more, like, S&M in here. Like, I could have had Fifty Shades of Grey money. Because, <laughs> you know, he like, they describe her spanking a lot and, like, how, you know, the pain mixed with pleasure and, like, blah, blah, blah. And so there that, I think, comes back a little bit into this sex scene that Erica's going to read, but not as much. 
Okay. I had only I had time only to nod once in acknowledgement or permission before he bore me back before him, his weight pinning me to the bed. He did not pause to undress further. I could smell the road dust in his shirt and taste the sun and sweat of travel on his skin. He held me, arms outstretched, wrist pinioned. One hand brushed the wall, and I felt the tiny scrape of one wedding wing chiming against the stone. One ring for each hand, one silver, one gold, and the thin metal suddenly heavy as the bonds of matrimony, as though the rings were tiny shackles, fastening me, spread eagle to the bed, stretched forever between two poles, head in held in bondage like Prometheus on his lonely rock, divided love the vulture that tore at my heart. He spread my thighs with his knee and sheathed himself to the root in a single thrust that made me gasp. He made a sound that was almost a groan and gripped me tighter. You're mine, Moduin, he said softly, pressing himself into my depths. Mine alone, now and forever. Mine, whether you will it or no. I pulled against his grip and sucked in my breath with a faint awe as he pressed even up deeper. I, I mean to use your heart, my Sassanach, he whispered. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, Diana gobbled on to be sorry. You have nothing to apologize for. <laughs> One second. I, I want to own you, to possess you, body and soul. I struggled slightly, and he pressed me down, hammering me, a solid, inexorable pounding that reached my womb with every stroke. I mean to make you call me Master Sassanach. His soft voice was a threat of revenge for the agonies of the last minutes. I mean to make you mine. I quivered and moaned then, my flesh clutching in spasms at the invading, battering presence. The movement went on, disregarding, on and on for minutes, striking me over and over with an impact on the edge between pleasure and pain. I felt dissolved, as though I existed only at the point of the assault, being forced to the edge of some total surrender. No, I gasped. Stop, please, you're hurting me. Beads of sweat ran down his face and dripped on the pillow and on my breasts. Our flesh meant now with the smack of a blow that was fast crossing the edge into pain. My thighs were bruising with a repeated impact, and my wrist felt as though it would break, but his grip was inexorable. I beg me for mercy, Sassanach. He shall not have it, though, not yet. His breath came hot and fast, but he showed no signs of tiring. My entire body convulsed, legs rising to wrap around him, seeking to contain the sensation. I could feel the jolt of each stroke deep in my belly and cringed from it. Even my hips rose up traitorously to welcome it. He felt my response and redoubled his assault, pressing now on my shoulders, keeping pinned under him. There was no beginning and no end to my response, only a continuous shudder that rose to a peak with each thrust. The hammering was a question, repeating it over and over in my flesh, demanding my answer. He pushed my legs flat again and bore me down past pain into pure sensation over the edge of surrender. Yes, I cried. Oh, God, Jamie, yes. He gripped my hair and forced my head back to meet his eyes, glowing with glorious triumph. Furious triumph. I, Sasanak, he muttered, answering my movements rather than my words. Ride ye, I will. And I'm going to stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Good womb pounding. Oh my god, so hot. (laughs) After the next scene, she gets up to, like, go to the bathroom, and she's like, my insides feel like churned butter. (laughs) Sexy. Uh, Super sexy. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess that brings us to Would You Rather, 
be in the year 1743 with a super sexy Scottish romance novel hero for a husband, or be in 1945 with a bookish, vaguely condescending husband, but also running water and vaccinations. Um, as husbands are the only answer here, I'm going to immediately choose 1945, because even if I'm stuck with a dude that I have to be married to, at least I will have running water and cars and vaccinations and, you know, antibiotics and whatever the hell else modern conveniences Coffee. she doesn't have. Yep, yep. Typewriters. Yep. <laughs> I will also go with 1945 um, for basically every reason in the world. (laughs) I don't know, guys. I kind of want to get my cervix pounded. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like her 1945 husband wasn't doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I... Oh, God. Like, I guess I get the appeal of this whole, like, you know, they're basic. She's basically like, I want to go off the grid and like live in a hippie commune where like we grow herbs and like, you know, and I like, I like camping. I can kind of get the appeal of that. And like, you know, he seems pretty hot. But, uh, and as I, as I have stated in previous episodes, I am also very tempted by time travel just in general. But, and you could see the Loch Ness monster if you went back. But I guess I'm going to have to stick with the 40s, too. I mean, I just... There's there's too much gross shit in the past. It's <laughs> fair. All right, for the next Would You Rather, would you rather this book had more witchcraft or more, more Loch Ness monsters? I'm going to go witchcraft... Um, specifically, I wish it had way more Jello in it, and I wish, like, way more of her witch. I wish she actually were a witch, um, <laughs> which I still think maybe she was, because she did do that weird spell on Claire. Yeah, I, I just, I would like more of that. I would like a whole coven of witches that Claire hangs out with. That would be great. I kind of would like it if the Loch Ness Monster had shown up at the witchcraft trial and saved Claire and Sergi. <laughs> oh my god, and she just, like, rode away on its back. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take it one foreshadowing. There was foreshadowing. (laughs) I'm going to take it one further and say that I wish that the Loch Ness Monster was a witch (laughs) and was the head of the olden time Scotland witch coven. And I don't know, maybe also was a time traveler. I mean, like, obviously it's maybe implied that it was like a dinosaur time traveler, but maybe also the Loch Ness Monster was a time traveler from the future, and then they're just like a cool future witches coven in olden times Scotland, and I guess they can still talk about herbs sometimes, but like maybe a little less herbs. Yeah, dial it back. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, Last one. Would you rather meet your future spouse via time travel to the past or christianmingle.com? Is that not a service that ChristianMingle.com offers? Oh, time travel? <laughs> um, I mean, I think only, like, theologically, but not actually physically time traveling. Mm. Yeah, like, I think you could find somebody who believed, had old-timey beliefs, but they would still, like, physically live now. Gotcha. Well, I'm torn, as always, between my desire to time travel and... My loyalty to ChristianMingle.com. 
It's Who, a really just fun- as a reminder, are a, a dedicated sponsor of this podcast. Yes. Although they have never given us any money. <laughs> <laughs> but they will remain a loyal sponsor until the time in which their lawyers request that they no longer hold that position. Um, so I think this time I'm going to go with time travel. Don't hate me, ChristianMingle.com. I still love you. This is just a hypothetical. I feel like either option, I could find somebody who wants to call me a witch and spank me, and that's really <laughs> all I want. So <laughs> I have to go with time travel just because I feel like you get a wider pool. Because that's, I, feel like I mean, you could find a Catholic or or a, a Protestant in the past. Either one. <laughs> I'll I'll choose ChristianMingle.com because they are such a good sponsor and you know like like I said I, I think either way I could find somebody I could work with <laughs> <laughs> and with that I believe we're on to Reader's Advisory yeah my number one recommendation is just fan fiction um, whatever it is that you like, I bet you can find some cool, sexy, hurt, comfort fan fiction. And if you really like this book, I think you will find that that is really what you like is hurt, comfort fan fiction. And it's out there. Yes. You can tweet at us if you want specific recommendations. Um, also kind of along the lines, if you're looking for better sex scenes, um, I, I've never actually read the following recommendation, but um, a friend of mine who will remain nameless because I think that she thinks of them as like super a guilty pleasure and would not want her name associated with them on the podcast um, was reading this series of books by Suzanne Enoch. Uh, and one of them, the first one I think is called Rogue with a Brogue. And they're all like, you know, sexy Scott with a cut i don't know like they all rhyme and they're all scottish and they're all like those Wait, like did you sexy... say scott with a cut i made that up <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it is the rest of them are actually called Carry but on. they're all rhymy oh mad bad and covered in plaid is one of them <laughs> so if you like hot scotsman and sex scenes i would recommend these books without having read them they seem to fulfill those requirements um, I would, I haven't read this either. I would probably recommend the Clan of the Cave Bears series if you're looking for, like, old-timey sex. I think that would do it for you also. Um, even old-timey or prehistorics. Ooh, I bet it has monsters in it, too. I bet it has maybe, I don't know about a lot. I bet there's dinosaurs in it. I've, I've read the first one. I had to read the first one for school, which is before they get sexy. Um... They are rapey, though, still. Yay! <laughs> we did have to read. The first one is rapey, and we did Wait, have to I'm read. Wait, I'm sorry, what grade was this for? Um, I think 10th or 11th. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was honors. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, another book that I had to read for school that was actually good, and you should definitely read, is the Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. If you are looking for time travel to the past sort of things, uh, it's about a scientist, archaeologist, woman, historian from the future who goes time travels to the past during um, the Black Death. 
and how she deals with that. Um, but it's really good, and you should read it. That is probably the book that has made me cry more than any book ever, which is a recommendation. <laughs> um, if you like sexy time travel, you might like The Time Traveler's Wife um, by, oh no, who wrote that? Uh, I don't oh, remember. No, it's famous. Oh no. But you can Google it. Like, it's super <laughs> famous. Um, um, it's by Audrey Niffenegger. Yes. I thought yeah. it was good. It made me cry a little bit. Um, she does, or rather, he doesn't go back so far as, as old timey Scott and Lind, but it's good. And, um, a kid's book that I'd recommend if you want to read a kid's book instead of this book filled with sex and beatings and gay panic, uh, would be Storyteller by Patricia Riley Giff. Uh, it's about a girl who uncovers, um, an ancestor who looks very much like her and kind of follows her footsteps through the Revolutionary War. Oh, another thing I would recommend, um, there's, we'll have a link to it, there's a blog called WTF Bad Romance Covers, and they specifically have a tag for um, Abductified Scotsman, and it's (laughs) just um, sexy or trying to be sexy dudes in kilts. And, um, you know, the, the blog is very funny and the covers are hilarious. But also, if you are just looking for sexy men in kilts, like, there are tons of romance novels that will happily provide them to you. And I bet most of them are shorter than Outlander. So that's yes. something. Um, but we'll have uh, some more information about these books and others that we don't mention here on the website in the As Mentioned page. Um if you'd like to learn more about any of them. And I don't have any books to recommend, but I would say, I think if you sort of enjoyed this, but we're like, wow, this is way too long and the pacing is horrible. The, the TV show is kind of fun. Like I sort of enjoy the characters and it's basically trash, but fun. <laughs> trash. Yeah. And, and I just appreciate that there's like prestige television. That's very much aimed for ladies. So yeah, it, um, it's on Stars with a Z if if you would like to view that. Um, yeah, are the, is the actor who plays Jamie, is he super sexy? Actually, I'm going to Google him right now. <laughs> you know, he actually, like, I am, I was watching the show, and, like, just from stills, you're like, oh, he's handsome. But in the show, he's very charismatic, and you're like, wow. Like, they obviously cast this guy just to be like sexy guy every lady's attracted to so I'm kind of angry that it actually worked (laughs) so yeah okay I mean I'm looking at stills now oh my god one of the stills is of him being flogged that's cool (laughs) that's happening (laughs) he's like tied like his hands are like in a crucified position but he's still wearing his kilt and he's topless okay google image that if you are interested (laughs) Right on. All right. Well, uh, let's move on then to our candy pairings. Um, Much like a restaurant might uh, recommend a fine wine to go with your dinner, we're going to recommend a candy that you can eat while reading this book in a complimentary fashion. I would also recommend if you're going to read this, get drunk. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I guess I'll start. I didn't actually have a candy pairing for this book. Um, What I recommended instead was Jerky 
because it's not technically candy, but you will give you the real life olden time Scotland feel of the book while you're eating it. But it will also provide protein and sustenance to sustain you because you will be spending a very long time reading this book and you'll need that energy. It would have been more realistic if you would have just recommended herbs. (laughs) (laughs) No, I kind of wish I had. (laughs) Um, my candy pairing, uh, is similarly relates to how fucking long this book is. I recommend <laughs> Everlasting Gobstoppers because they will last forever, and so will this book. And my candy pairing is basically those, like, giant mixture grab bags of candy you get around Halloween, which they have, like, some good stuff in them, like chocolate bars, but there's also a bunch of weird shit, like, I don't know, black licorice or Tootsie Rolls and stuff, and it's just... A bunch of stuff that doesn't go together and they last forever so it's like six months later and you still have candy in the bag and you're like Ugh. <laughs> accurate <laughs> good choices all around <laughs> okay now we'll um state what the moral of the story is uh the moral of the story i think is that life was better in olden times mostly because the men were way hotter I'll say, back in the 18th century, men were men, unless they were gay, in which case they were monsters. But also, the Loch Ness Monster is real, and probably gay. (laughs) My moral is that regular spankings and reminiscing about torture are the keys to a good marriage. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All, All sounds about right. And uh, now, speaking of monsters, we'll move on to Duarte's <laughs> Corner, where my cat Duarte will weigh in with his two cents on the book. All right. Thank you, Duarte. I appreciate you sharing. I agree. It was definitely way too long. Yeah, I didn't think of your brilliant solution to just scratch out a whole lot of the pages, though. (laughs) Um, So good. I'll keep that in mind for future versions, although mine was on Kindle, so it might not have been as uh, useful for me. (laughs) I honestly just didn't know that Duarte had so many feelings about herbs. (laughs) Well, his favorite herb is catnip. And, um, (laughs) you know, of all the herbs that she talks about, I don't even think she mentioned that once. What a loss. <laughs> All right. Um, any humans have any other closing thoughts? This book was fucking long. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a fast reader. Um, I can usually, like, blow through one of these books in, like, a day. And I swear to God, I spent, like, a fucking week reading this book. And there were a couple days where all I did all day was read the book. I don't know what... I, I don't understand. It's so long. Yeah, at the same time, I mean, this is another one where it's like, it wasn't really for me. It was definitely too long. Um, It's it's definitely sort of escapist fiction aimed at women. And clearly a a lot of women have really enjoyed this. And great, great for them. But I do really want to let them know that fan fiction exists. Yeah. There were honestly, uh, like, I think I liked it kind of more than the two of you because there were characters and scenes that I really enjoyed. It's just, again, it was so long and there was so much other shit that wasn't that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I think also if um, 
if I had been reading it just at my own leisurely pace, but I wasn't, I was like, shit, we got to like record this podcast by January, like whatever. Um, so yeah, I think if, yeah, if you were just reading this for fun, you could kind of skim and maybe skip some of the herb parts, which I, I mean, I still did. Um, <laughs> but you could kind of skip those and just read the sexy parts or like, you know, whatever you're doing. Yeah. It's- yeah. I feel like, I mean, especially because some of the books that we've read have been like, bad but super problematic and like which i mean this was in in the gay panic parts of it yeah like there there have been books that we've read that are are like bad trash garbage should be set on fire Mm -hmm. and this is just a book that i was like this is not a good book it's yeah it's too long it's too like whatever but it didn't offend me or make me feel physically ill the way christmas sweater did yeah so, I mean, like, I feel like there's books like Rush Revere that are like, this should not exist. It's it's wrong and it's dangerous. And there are books <laughs> like The Christmas Sweater that are like, this should not exist. Like, this is between you and your therapist. Do not put this out into the world. <laughs> and then there's books like this where it's like, how does this really exist? But it does. Yeah, and- this should be on fanfiction.net and not published, but nah, okay. All right. Um, Also, I will say this podcast episode has definitely run longer than normal. But if you look at it as a like if you did a ratio of minutes we spent talking about it to how many pages that there are, like we were really on target. Yeah, I think it's literally like 900 pages long, the book. Like, and not like I'm not exaggerating by using the word literally. I mean, I think that it clocks in at 900 pages. That sounds I would have no trouble believing that to be true. Yeah, Becca looked it up, but uh. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining us, Erica. Sorry we made you reread this book and then talk about it, but it sounds like you at least didn't lose your life to it the way that we did. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't have a job right now, so. <laughs> so you might I as well time travel. Give <laughs> me something to focus on. <laughs> uh, and if you liked this episode, um, and you like listening to this podcast, please remember to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher, which are the places you can go to get more episodes. And um, you can you know, visit worstbestsellers.com for our um, readers advisory and see the books that we recommend. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. You can travel to our homes via use of henges. <laughs> That might be a little strange, though. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Yes. Uh, you can email us at uh, worstbestsellers at gmail.com with your thoughts and fan fiction recommendations and favorite herbs and suggestions <laughs> for future podcasts. Um, and- oh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me personally on Twitter at 14across. Oh, oh, and uh, coming up next, our next episode will be um, Need for Speed, the movie novelization, which is written by Brian Kelleher. Um, it is based on the, it is the novelization of the movie Need for Speed, which is an adaptation of a video game. Which is not a it. part of the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> Although it sounds like it should be. It's, yeah. I I can't wait to talk about it. All right. 
So it sounds like that's it for this time, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.